1: In our province, so far this year, of course, as we talked about a lot, Edmontonians very concerned about the murder of a 16-year-old boy, killed at a school bus stop earlier this month. Uh, the last day of March in Calgary, a similar incident: young person murdered, 15-year-old charged in connection. At this point, um, in fact, uh, there has been a real surge in violence in Calgary. 11 murders so far this year, on pace for 36 last year. The total was 19. There's also been 53 shootings in Calgary. So, what's going on? Um, that's always the question. Is this a trend? Are we seeing something change? You know, what do we need to be aware of? So let's get uh, some insight. We're going to chat with Dr. Ritesh Narayan, who's a criminologist at Mount Royal University. Uh, Dr. Narayan, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Yes, it's my pleasure. Good morning to you. Um, you know, When we take a look at cases like that, and those headlines just leap out at you. But is, is it possible to even pinpoint why we're seeing a surge in violence? Is it something we need to be aware of? I think it's a combination of things. Sadly, you know, violence is all around, uh,
0: and it does go up and down. And uh, Alberta in itself, we have definitely had our share of, of crime, both in uh, Calgary and, uh, and uh, Edmonton. So there is definitely some common denominators as to why we're seeing uh, this new wave of crime. However, there are some newer nuances as to what's adding to it, though.
1: Um, what would those be? What are we seeing? I mean, has something changed that dramatically that we're seeing this kind of a huge increase in violence? I think the change isn't sudden and
0: dramatic. It has been progressive, uh, especially uh, after the, uh, well, I shouldn't say after the pandemic. We're still technically in a pandemic. Sure, yeah. But what the pandemic did is it did slow things down. But as we started coming out of it, It took us back in some very dark places where uh, these cities were. So things such as social disorganization, I'm really glad that, you know, uh, just uh, two minutes ago you were talking about uh, city planning. I think city planning has a lot to do with that. So social disorganization, you know, is basically three main things. You've got poverty, you've got, you know, residential mobility, then you've got racial heterogeneity. And I think all these three factors has been really been emphasised now coming out of the pandemic.
1: How does it change? I mean, when we take a look, I mean, I imagine there was a decrease, right? So when we're looking at these statistical numbers compared to last year or 2019 or whatever, the case, do we have to need take that into consideration? Or you know, is this something that we're seeing a massive increase? An increase is an increase. Doesn't matter what the year before was. I mean, how does that fit in terms of numbers just on their own?
0: Yeah. So what we saw uh, during uh, the lockdowns and such, of course, you know, there was fewer. Uh uh, break, uh, residential break-and-enters and and what have you uh, But we did see some increase in personal crimes, such as domestic violence, but we also saw a large influx in breaking and entering into commercial properties because no one was around as much. So, uh, yes, crime was still around, just different types of crime. What we have, we're seeing now coming out of the pandemic is uh, territorial battles where the lines are being redrawn as to which group has control over what kind of area which is why and one of the reasons why we're seeing conflict among different groups and why we're seeing a lot more shootings now because all of a sudden whatever uh territories groups had before
1: they no longer want that they want more okay so it's like gang war expanding territory kind of thing (laughs) Absolutely, because I think after the
0: pandemic where, you know, more or less a lot of these criminals went on a bit of a hiatus, uh, if I may, uh, coming out of it, uh, you know, everyone wants more. Adding to that is, of course, uh, uh, factors such as poverty. That's a big one. But the other thing is living in uh, places like Calgary and Edmonton is not affordable anymore. Now, I'm not saying that, hey, you know what, if you can't afford to live, then, you know, you, you go commit crime. Right. Sadly, how it works is we all have the same Canadian dream. You know, we want a nice house, the the white like, up fences and what have you. How we get about attaining those goals are different, though. You know, you, there's the legitimate ways of getting those, and then there's the illegitimate ways. What we're seeing now, and as we are getting larger and larger in terms of population, is attaining those goals. Goals the legitimate way is becoming more and more difficult. It's a lot more difficult to get into universities, to afford universities, to even afford um, a decent lifestyle. So people are making other people decisions? Are making bad, people are making bad choices. You've got, uh, uh, you know, fewer youth uh, going into universities. Uh, there's a lack of what we call uh, social control. Uh, there's a lot of impulsivity. We mm-hmm. have taken things such as, you know, instilling, um, you know, moral and values and those things. We have taken all these things out of school. Now we want our um, teachers to only concentrate on uh, math and language arts and social science, what have you. Uh, you know, we're not having those really good discussions about, you know, what's wrong and what's right. in. And we've taken that out of schools and, and school curriculum, certainly. And the other thing is early intervention, right? We're seeing uh, an influx in youth crime. And the only way to really address that is early intervention, way before, um, you know, these uh, things are happening. And hopefully, you know, school teachers are able to recognize signs. Uh, um, but again, school teachers, are, you know, they've got the plates uh, filled, um, yeah. some, so, therefore, we rely on counsellors, um, and usually, depending on your school region, uh, you could have one counsellor, you know, serving um, 500 students. So, there's lack of those kind of resources as well, lack of social workers. You know, I'd love to see more social workers on, on campuses and, and schools.
1: Dr. Narayan, uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Ritesh Narayan, a criminologist at Mount Royal University. You mentioned youth crime, and I think, you know, when you hear a case like the one in Edmonton, a 16-year-old boy killed seven young people charged, two of them 14 years old, Um, those kinds of cases really give people pause, and they start to look and say, what are we doing? What is going on? And then you have a similar incident in Calgary, a 15-year-old charged with the murder of a 16-year-old. What's going on with youth in Alberta? Is this something that we need to be paying closer attention to?
0: Yeah, so we have seen even in history, you know, you, you know there's one or two crimes uh, that will be very high profile and it really, you know, uh, uh, you know it's very concerning to, to the public and they feel that generally, you know, youth crime is a major problem. Well, I can tell you just according to statistics that, you know, youth crime is not, especially when it comes to violent crimes, it's not a major problem. Uh, youth are mainly involved in property crimes. So when we do hear cases like this, um, you know, they are quite extraordinary and quite concerning. Um, is it, you know, uh, random? Obviously, right. it's not random. Is it a trend? Uh, it could be. a Yeah, it could be a trend. And that's what, you know what I mean when I'm referring to having early intervention and proper social controls uh, as early as possible. Um, and with the larger population and the things that are meant in poverty, uh, residential mobility, and racial heterogeneity. And if we are, do not take control of these things, what we're going to have is uh, a delinquent subculture in places like Edmonton and, and Calgary. Uh, and that can be very concerning. You know, Things that we have seen in some um, uh, American uh, cities uh, that is plagued by youth crime. So if you don't want to go to, you know, become... The next Detroit, if I may, um, we need to start taking really care of how we are developing our city how we're planning our city and making it affordable to live in the city.
1: Uh, Aside from that, the the social aspect too, you you mentioned some other things in terms of kids and, you know, monitoring being on top of this, where does the school resource officer fit into that? I know there's so much discussion around policing and how we do it. And of course, uh, you know, we took school resource officers, there's no police officers in schools in Edmonton anymore. And a lot of people immediately thinking, well, if they had a school resource officer, this never would have happened. Um, How does policing fit into all of this?
0: I think uh, police resources have a very important role to play into schools. Um, what we find is that uh, sometimes there's a bit of a trust issue between uh, uh, law enforcement and, and youth, especially youth that are coming uh, from, from different countries or different cultures. Um, and I find that and, and again, supported by you really good research, the uh, police officers and resource officers play an intricate role in building the bridge between this, uh, the youth and law enforcement, uh, providing that early intervention. Uh, police officers can bring in, uh, you know, they're able to recognize things better. Uh, they get told by other students that, that hey, you know what, there's a problem child or child that, you know what, might need help, maybe, you know, uh, is uh, trying to uh, attempt self-harm. So they play a very important role. However, only having police resource officers uh, on schools is not sufficient because police officers are, are law enforcement. They're not social workers. So what I would advocate for is, hey, yes, police officers, resource officers, plus
1: mm-hmm. social workers uh, in um, working hand-in-hand in, in schools. Um- I guess it always comes down to how does this affect me personally? And as cold and crass as that is, that's the question people ask. I mean, am I at danger? I'm not involved in drugs. I'm not involved in gangs. I mean, are we getting to the point now where people need to worry about random acts of violence? I mean, 53 shootings in Calgary, that's a staggering number of uh, incidents so far this year. and People might start wondering if they're safe.
0: Most certainly. Everything from a straight board to, uh, hey, your your property taxes, right? Uh, all of this. So there's uh, economic... Uh, factors as well, so it affects each and every Albertan. Uh, because uh, in order to you now address these issues, we need to be looking for uh, proper funding for policing. You know, more money coming from somewhere, and guess who's paying for this? It is, it is taxpayers. So, uh, you know, this does affect
1: each and every Albertan. Um, doctor, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Take care. You too. That is Dr. Ritesh Narayan, who's a criminologist at Mount Royal University, talking about the, the increase we're seeing in violent incidents. And, you know, the, to separate the, the, the two discussions that we're having here, um, more murders on pace for more murders in Calgary this year, many more murders in Calgary this year than last year, um, 53 shootings so far in Calgary this year. Um, and then you've got the two very high-profile uh, murders of young people. And I think, you know, they're, obviously they go together. We're talking about violent acts here. But at the same time, it's, what do we do in a situation like this? Two of the kids charged in the Edmonton homicide um, will have bail hearings today. The other five, yes, five, there's a group of seven that are facing charges in relation to this murder. Uh, five of them have been released on bail. Two more will have their bail hearing today. Two of these kids are 14 years old. I mean... It gets into that whole discussion of how do we handle youth violence? 14 years old, can they, I mean, I don't think there's any chance they would ever be charged as adults at that age. Um, Should they be?